Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Thursday, February 25th, 2021. Guilty, vile, and helpless, we, spotless Lamb of God, was He. Full atonement, can it be? Hallelujah, what a Savior. Uh, These lyrics from the old hymn, Hallelujah, what a Savior, ran through my mind this morning as we read about that concept of atonement. More specifically, as we read about the Day of Atonement in Leviticus 16, as we read Leviticus chapters 16 through 18. But chapter 16 really focuses on this holy and special day, the Day of Atonement, uh, that was to be celebrated every year in Israel. And it goes through the whole process of how the uh, sacrifices were to be made and how the high priest was to go. And this was the only time in the year he was to go into the most holy place or the holy of holies where the Ark of the Covenant actually was. We see in one there are two goats and one gets uh, sent away. All right. And the, the picture there is that you have these two goats. One gets sent away to, to live um, while the other is is killed. And so we, we, we see that even as a picture of atonement that we are set free to live because someone else was killed. And, and so as we read through the day of atonement, we should not miss the obvious connections, right? Between what is going on here and ultimately what Jesus Christ did for us and his role in making atonement for our sins. Because nothing in Leviticus 16 is something that you need to go and do on some day this year, but it should point us to Christ. And so I want to go to one passage that's not in our scheduled reading today, but the one that I simply could not avoid coming to as we think about the day of atonement, and that is Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. And here it describes this earthly high priest. And it describes how, yes, they would, the priests would go into the holy place every single day to burn incense, but into the most holy place only once a year. And it says that there at the beginning of chapter 9, in verse 3, it says, Behind the second curtain was a second section called the most holy place having the golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was a golden urn holding the manna and the Aaron's staff that budded and the tables of the covenant. Above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. And then it talks in verse 7, but into that second portion Only the high priest goes, and he but once a year, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. But then it describes Jesus, this great high priest, and it says, But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. So in this, Christ is both the high priest and the sacrifice. 
It goes on to say, For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And then it reminds us a little bit later in verse 22, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so we see that it was necessary for Christ to die, to shed his own blood. And he also, as the high priest, uh, applies that blood to us. And so this is where we need to come back again. What's the overall theme of Leviticus? And really, it's about holiness being set apart. That's what the Levites were to do. Be holy for I am holy. And this is a reminder that we must on some level be made holy. We are not holy. Another word we see again and again in Leviticus is this word unclean. And that is a word with which we should be able to naturally identify. We need to see ourselves as unclean. And that's the problem we run into a lot. Um, When we think about holiness, when we think about uncleanness, when we think about sacrifice, it seems foreign and distant. But remember that vision that Isaiah had when he sees God on the throne in his holiness, he says, woe is me for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. Do you see yourself as unclean? Think about those words with which I opened the podcast this morning, guilty, vile, helpless. Do you see those words as applying to yourself? We should. We should. We are guilty. Uh, We have sinned before a holy God. We are vile. Even as if we really examine what our hearts can so often be drawn to, if we really think carefully about, for many of us, some of the things that we have done in this life, they are dirty, they are filthy, they are unclean, and we are we are helpless. We do not have the ability to change, just to get our acts together, to, to pull it all, pull us ourselves up by our spiritual bootstraps. It's not possible for us to do. We need atonement. We need a sacrifice. And that is Jesus Christ. He is the Savior. So I hope reading this passage today, I hope you are struck by your need for atonement, but also struck with the wonderful provision with which God has provided and that Jesus Christ is both the atoning sacrifice and the high priest and that we can worship him and that this sacrifice that he has made doesn't need to be repeated every year. But he did it once for all, and our sins are paid for. We can be purified through the blood of Jesus Christ. And now, again, we talked about First Peter a lot as we've gone through Leviticus, but that whole idea of be holy, for I am holy, and remember that you were not redeemed with the blood of animals or with money, but with the precious blood of Christ, that should motivate us to live differently. And even as we get into chapter 18, it's really a call for sexual purity and sexual holiness and really an encouragement to avoid the deviant and sinful and unclean sexual practices of the of the nations that they are going in to invade. And that's a good call for us as Christians that we live in a world that is full of sexual immorality and God is calling us to be set apart. He is calling us to walk in the holiness for which he has redeemed us. 
So may we take care to avoid all the temptation and the impurity that is around us in our society, that we would live differently to honor our Lord. Next, we go to Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 28. And as we look at that, right, Peter has just made this great confession before the Lord. But now Jesus starts foretelling his death and resurrection. He's telling the disciples that he is going to die. And Peter, uh, you got to give him uh, credit for boldness here. He takes Jesus Christ aside and begins to rebuke him saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me for you are setting your mind on the things of God. You are sorry. You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And going through the gospel of John, this is something we have seen many times that uh, people struggled with this idea that the Christ was going to suffer. And that is what Peter is doing here. And Jesus says, it's because you're setting your mind on the things of man and not on the things of God. And that makes sense for a man. It would not make sense for the Christ, the Messiah to die, but that is the way that God had designed it. And so, and that also Jesus is going to be pointing out more and more. That is the way that the scriptures said it was going to happen. And so they needed to trust God and look at what he said instead of leaning on themselves and what felt right to them. And that really applies to the next section where Jesus really applies this concept of suffering to his disciples, that if they want to follow him, they will have to walk a similar path. In verse 24, he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? And so there we see that the Christian life will be one of sacrifice. And again, that doesn't sit well with people. A lot of people want the Christian life just to be one of carefree happiness and kind of smooth sailing all the way to the kingdom. But that's not what the Bible says. And so as we experience suffering, as we experience sacrifice, as we follow Christ, we need to not set our mind on the things of man, but keep our minds set on the things of God. Next, let's uh, go to Psalm 29. And we really want to see the power of God, even specifically in creation, over these next uh, couple passages today. But we read all of Psalm 29, which is a psalm of worship, calling them to worship to the, the Lord, to ascribe to him glory and strength, to give him glory, to worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. And then how does it go on to describe this mighty God? Well, it goes on to describe a thunderstorm. And even how that this thunder that breaks the cedars of Lebanon, it really declares the glory of God and the power of God and the voice of God. And we might not quite be in thunderstorm season yet, but I think we, again, need to be reminded of how all the powerful workings that we see in nature should point us to a glorious and strong God. And I hope Psalm 29 encourages you to do that today. Uh, the Apostle Paul also speaks of the role of God in creation as he 
evangelizes there in Athens in Acts chapter 17, verses 22 through 34. And you remember, he's waiting for uh, some of his ministry partners to join him in, in Athens. And as he does, he gets into conversation with people there in the marketplace. And now he is invited to address this Areopagus, who was this group of people who would always get together and discuss something new and discuss religious matters. And he says that he saw this altar or this uh, inscription to an unknown God. And he's saying, hey, that's who I'm declaring to you. And he describes him in verse 24 as the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. So it describes this powerful creator who doesn't need anything from man, uh, but who gives man everything that he has. This is a glorious and strong God. However, he talks about a time of judgment that is coming in verse 31 when he says, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. And that resurrection clearly was a kind of a sticking point for many of these people in Athens, but he is offering them really a a chance of salvation. In verse 30, he says, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, right? Judgment is coming, but you must repent now. And how is that possible? How can we be forgiven before a holy God, a glorious God who breaks trees with his power of his voice through lightning? Well, he's, he provides that forgiveness because he has offered an atoning sacrifice, that, that there is full atonement. Can it be true? Yes, it can, because we have a savior, Jesus Christ. And I hope today, while we are called to, to follow him and to sacrifice ourselves and to avoid temptation as we seek to honor him, that we leave this podcast today rejoicing in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in the atonement that is offered, that we should leave today saying, hallelujah, what a savior. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.